0: Last week, I taught a lesson called Shift Matters, and it focused on shifting in our worship. Or I, you know, I put it in the context of worship, and the premise pretty much was that just because we were forced to shift one way or one time doesn't mean we don't have to shift again. As a matter of fact, I believe that when we shift, We are setting ourselves up for the next. So this week, I want to bring back to us another lesson, bring that theme back. Shift matters. So this is Shift Matters Part 2. And uh, the question tonight is Are you a helper or a hindrance? In other words, we need to shift in our service. Shift matters. Shift in our service. And the question on the table, Right now, is are you a help or a hindrance? I want to teach this lesson out of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 13, uh, beginning at verse number 1. And it reads, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manon, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them to do. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed there from Cyprus, When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogue. John was with them as their helper. Verse number 13, from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Pergia in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. Are you a help or a hindrance? My mother is a good cook. Everybody and anybody who has been to my mother's house for dinner knows that one of my mother's favorite things to do is cook huge holiday meals. Rarely does my mother serve dinner without the dining room table set up with her lace tablecloth and her china and her fine silverware. And what you need to know about my mother is that my mother is not a potluck dinner kind of cook. She just isn't into everybody bringing a dish to her dinner. It's not that she doesn't trust other people's cooking. It's just the way my mother is. She wants to prepare everything. She wants people to just come to her house, have a good time without any worry of cooking themselves. But in hindsight, when I think about my mom, I think she gets a kick out of people telling her how good her cooking is. Uh, or how good the meal was because it would have been a disaster for my mother if somebody had said the greens were the bomb and she would have had to say she didn't fix them. And so as a little girl I would come to the kitchen and say, "Mama, I want to help you do something." Most of the time she would sit with me at the table and give me the task of cooking up what is known in the southern cooking world as the holy trinity, the green peppers, the onion and the celery. But after a while After several times of doing this, I realized my mother was giving me the worst task, and I wanted to move on to something else, something exciting, something like making macaroni and cheese and fixing the dressing. Well, after some time of me asking and bugging my mom, she finally gave in and began to let me do something different, knowing, here it is, I was more of a hindrance than a help to her perfect dinner. Scorched macaroni and cheese, watery, tasteless dressing, and salty greens. But she continued to let me come in the kitchen and cook because she knew that one day I would get it right. I started out being a hindrance, but eventually, after much trial and error, I shifted and my cooking ability improved, and I ended up being more than a help to her than a hindrance in the kitchen. And so when we think about the ministry of the church and all of those things that we, quote, unquote, do in the church, we need to ask ourselves, am I a help or a hindrance? The text, the verses that I just read to you, um, places us and the people in the text at a crucial time in the life and ministry of the early church. Right about now at that time, things were beginning to accelerate, and the ministry was moving forward in Jerusalem. No longer do we see, at this point, a ragtag, scared, powerless group of apostles, but what we see is a group of bold men, powerful men, determined men, anointed men, men with a purpose. The Holy Spirit has come upon them now, and they have received power, and now they are empowered to serve, empowered to move beyond their own little circle beyond their own cultural and racial boundaries, empowered to stand up to the very ones who had crucified Jesus. They were empowered to challenge the status quo, empowered to open their mouths, to speak a word for the Lord, like they had never spoken it before, empowered to build the kingdom of God. And the numbers are growing. The Lord's hand was on them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And it is at Antioch, the place where believers were first called Christians, that a divine hookup took place. Barnabas brings Paul, once known as Saul, to Antioch, and they begin to teach and minister there. And it is there at Antioch where the Holy Spirit sets them apart to go out. And Paul begins his first missionary journey, journey with Barnabas. And the Bible says, our text says, John was with them as their helper. John Mark's entire reason for being with them was to assist, attend to, and help the men of God further the kingdom of God. He was to free up Paul and Barnabas to carry on their ministry. Ask yourself again, am I a help or a hindrance? Wherever I am serving, am I helpful? Wherever I am ministering, am I assisting? Am I furthering the kingdom of God? Am I using my gifts? Am I a blessing to people? Am I showing up? People of God, helping is a gift given by the Holy Spirit that enables believers to serve, here it is, in a supporting role. And to do it joyfully. Somebody say hallelujah. Which means everybody cannot be out front. Someone has to be behind the scenes. Someone has to be in the background. Your name may not be in neon light. It may not be printed in the program, and they may not call your name during the remarks. This gift is for lending a hand wherever it will release others to operate in their ministry. The ultimate end of being a helper is the edification of others, and your helping, your serving will ultimately benefit others and lead them to Christ. That's a shift. That's our word tonight for us. For a lot of us, because, ooh, I hope you all still love Reverend Gail, because we don't necessarily see ourselves as helpers. We see ourselves as the healthy. Oh, my God. We want to be helped rather than to be the one who helps. We want to be on the receiving end and not necessarily the giving end. And if we do help, you better take notice that I am here. Being helped certainly has its place. So please don't get me wrong or misquote me after this call. The church is a place where those who are hurting come to be helped and receive healing, restoration, and transformation. But how many of you know that we cannot stay there on the receiving end? There comes a time and a season where we begin to show and do for others Hallelujah, what God has done for us. In other words, we shift. Somebody say shift matters. You can tell people who operate in the gift of helping or service because whatever needs to be done, they do it. They step up. They volunteer without being asked. They're not hell raisers. They don't call dissension, cause dissension. They are not whiners. They are not complainers. They don't need to be recognized and applauded every time they pick up a piece of paper on the floor of the church. Ask yourself, am I a help or a hindrance? And so the verses between verse number 5 and 13 tell us that they arrived at a place called Salamis and began to proclaim the word of God, where they meet a man in Paphos named Bar-Jesus, who was a sorcerer, and Bar-Jesus' boss wanted to hear a word of God. But Bar-Jesus opposes Paul and Barnabas so that his boss would not receive the faith. And the Bible says that an intense confrontational exchange took place, and Paul rebukes him in verse number 10 and pronounces what equates to a curse upon the man. But two verses later, rather than go forward with Paul and Barnabas, John Mark, who was there to be their helper as their assistant, as their attendant decides to turn around and go back to Jerusalem. Maybe it was too much for him what he just just uh, had witnessed. Because, you know, Paul, if you read that verse, verse 10, Paul said some things to Bar-Jesus. Maybe that was too much for uh, John Mark. I don't know. Maybe, uh, uh, you know, at that point in his ministry, That kind of ministry was too hard. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But what we do know is that one decision moved John Mark from helper of the ministry to a hindrance to the ministry. And here's why. If you flip over to chapter 15, verses 36 through 38, tell us that his leaving caused a falling out between Paul and Barnabas. And they ended up themselves parting ways because Barnabas wanted John Mark to go back out and do ministry with them again, but because Paul was still mad at John for abandoning them in Antioch, he was not trying to hear anything that Barnabas had to say. And the Bible says the disagreement was so sharp between them that they parted company. The King James version says they departed asunder one from another. Barnabas took Mark and went his way, and Paul took Silas and went his way. What started out as a ministry team on a mission to spread the gospel turned into everyone going their way, scattered, still doing ministry, but scattered in different directions. But that is not what the Holy Spirit has spoken to them. They were sent out and set apart together, but they ended up Separated because Paul had an attitude. I wish I could hang out there, but I only have 30 minutes tonight. I'm going to have to keep moving. What this tells us is that we can cause dissension, people of God, separation and confusion to the point that it hinders ministry. Oh, yes, we can. If you've been in the church any amount of time, you know it's possible. So here are three things to consider tonight that I believe will help us shift from hindering to helping. And number one, ministry is not easy. The sad reality is that some of us have the wrong idea about what it means to serve the church and God's people. We think high-profile positions in the church. We think being a mover and a shaker in a church. We think power and prestige. We think titles and position. But God says not So, ministry is sacrifice. That's it in a nutshell. Sacrifice of time, resources, and self. Extending love, here it is, to the unlovable. In this instance, in our text, ministry is one who gives willing service to another. And what it means? is you realize that people show up to hear a word from God that will help them, heal them, renew them, refresh them, and revive them that will give them the strength to go on just a little bit further, that people have come to the house of God. People even come to us individually for us to give them a word, give them something that will change them, that will transform them, their lives. And more and more we're seeing people with physical challenges and homelessness and mental illness and financial challenges that um whoo, they, they may not fit in with our churchy way of being that's the only way I know how to say it they they, they may not fit our, our 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 ideal of who we think to be in our churchy cliques oh my god ministry is not easy and if we're not helping people then what are we really really doing it's time to shift. With all that's going on in the world, we don't have time to play those kinds of games in the church any longer. It's too serious out here. Number one, ministry is not easy, but number two, I want to encourage somebody to stick around for the long haul. Some of us will sit down and quit at the drop of a dime for whatever reason. And God is not looking for wishy washy servants, ministry leaders. Christians, whatever your favorite label is. God is looking for dedicated, committed, sold-out people who are in for the long haul. God honors our faithfulness. Faithful people are committed people. They are loyal people. They are not fair-weather Christians. They, are, they aren't dissuaded by personalities, by fatigue or other distractions. Somebody say shift matters. Shift matters because it means we exchange or replace one thing for another. It means to move or change from one position or direction to another. And if we find that we are in places or in a place that does not represent who we say we are, it is time to shift. Because you can make your mouth say anything. That's what Deacon uh, Frank uh, uh, used to say over at my home church. You can make your mouth say anything. But mouth service, lip service, um, it, it, it's time It's time to change. It's time to shift. But why, uh, 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 we don't know why John Mark left. But what we know, what we do know, is that right at this moment, at this particular time, it was a tough encounter. And he may have gone back because he was nervous, or maybe he went back because what was ahead, those mountains in Tarsus might have been too much, or maybe he was nervous about his safety, or he could have still had a, a, been a little bit mad at Paul himself for taking over the lead of the team from his cousin Barnabas. We just don't know why he went back. But later, his actions caused a split between Paul and Barnabas. Sometimes we will have to serve people of God in difficult situations uncomfortable places because ministry is bigger than any of us individually the sum is greater than the individuals the total is greater than the individuals and every now and then difficult situations arise so i want to encourage you tonight to stick around for the long haul we've got to keep our eyes Focus on the prize like Paul did where he says over in Philippians, and we have to continue to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling, which is in Jesus Christ. And ultimately, if nobody ever calls your name, if you are never recognized for your hard work down here, know that God sees all that you do and uh, has a promise for you, and that promise is a reward for your faithfulness. So ministry is not easy. Stick around for the long haul. And number three, I want to say it's never too late to shift. The wonderful thing about John Mark's story is that his leaving was not his ending. Ooh, somebody could shout right there. His leaving was not his ending. Uh, So I want to let you know tonight that your mess up is not your end up. Oh, my God. Your mess up is not your end up. Somewhere along the way, John Mark shifted. How do I know that? I know that because over in 2 Timothy 4 and 11, in Paul's letter that he writes to Timothy from prison, Paul says, listen to this, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in ministry. John Mark, the one who turned back, the one who caused strife among the brethren, the one who caused dissension in the church, the one Paul wasn't trying to have, nowhere around him, ended up being profitable for ministry. Shift matters, people of God. Your mess up is not your end up. Somebody ought to be glad about that. I know I am. That my leaving somewhere was not my ending. That I, it, it didn't stop right there. Paul and John Mark ended up being reconciled with one another to the point that Paul realized that John Mark was useful youthful, youthful for ministry. He went from helper to hindrance and back to helper again. Somewhere in there, John Mark shifted to be profitable and useful. It is never too late to shift. I said last week that we have another shift. So, baby, don't worry about what happened. Don't worry about who did what. Don't worry about who said what. Don't worry about who wouldn't let you on the committee. Don't worry about who didn't let you sing that solo. Don't matter about who left your name off the program. You better shift so that you are in the will of God and shift so that you remain profitable and useful for ministry. Somebody clap your hands right in your own house. So I want to encourage us, somebody, tonight, that even though we mess up, even though we fall short, even though we miss the mark, it is never too late to shift. Why? Because ministry is not easy. It's not easy. Number two... Uh, Even though it's not easy, you have to stay in for the long haul, and it's never too late. Is there anybody here happy that God used you because there was a time you were not fit, but God made you useful? It's not what we achieve that makes us useful. It's not the degrees that make us useful. It's not the titles that make us useful. It's not uh, the eloquence of your preaching voice that makes you useful. It's not the melody of your solo or your singing voice that makes you altogether useful. It's not how you usher on the back wall, back door that makes you useful. Uh, those things are wonderful. It's not position, it's not power, it's not prestige or possession that make us useful. It's not the people we know or who we rub shoulders and hobnob with that makes us useful. The only thing, hallelujah, that makes us useful is when we become willing. Hallelujah. You cannot be useful if you are not willing to be used. And that requires, I get it, we are set in our ways and we are who we are. But it requires shifting in difficult situations, willing to shift ourselves aside, willing to set our attitudes aside, willing to set our differences aside, willing to set our pride aside to be useful. So ask yourself, am I a help or a hindrance? Well, I hear somebody might, uh, you might be saying, well, I'm not a hindrance because I don't do nothing. I meant to say anything. (laughs) But how many of you know that even doing nothing can be a hindrance? Because we are called to do. We are called to be. We are called to serve. So to do nothing is also a hindrance. We are called to do something, and when we are not in our places of service and giftedness, it is a hindrance. Will somebody else come along and fill the void left by us because we decided we're not doing anything? Absolutely. God always finds somebody else. But the message within this text tonight is that John Mark shifted once, but then, hallelujah, he shifted again. And became useful and helpful to Paul. So I want to encourage us tonight that you have another shift in you. No matter where you are, remember to shift because shift matters. Amen. This is the word of God. For the people of God, thanks be to them.